The Start On Demand. On demand. Have you gotten the school schedule yet for your kids? Greg got the schedule for his boys, and one of their schedules is beyond wacky. The flashing amber lights from Expert Electric that will go up in school zones, they are going to happen, but Councillor Kevin Klein tells us not just yet. Patrick Liney and Nikolai Ehlers in trade talks? Get out of here. And man alive, we sometimes say some strange things. We had a great chat today about the fun and weird sayings we use and don't even know why we use them. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. This is the Wednesday, September 2nd podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb. This morning I think to myself, why am I so tired this week? And why am I so hungry? I'm blaming the weather. Mm, I think your body's thinking about hibernation. Already. Storing carbs, stocking up on sleep, nesting. What do you think, McNabb? Anything? <laughs> any merit to that? I had pasta last night and I have largely because it was colder and it just felt like the right thing to do, you know, like foods that go with the weather. Mm -hmm. And so then sometimes you get excited about it because you're like, oh, I can do this. It doesn't look weird if I'm not out barbecuing because it's cold out. You're also getting old. We're getting old, Brett. (laughs) And I don't want to, you know, rain on your parade, but uh, that sometimes has something to do with it. Well, I guess, but I don't know. It just feels like this week in particular, like since it cooled off on the weekend, I just, I'm really struggling getting out of bed. I'm struggling finding motivation. I wanted, like uh, all I could think about this morning (laughs) was when I could go back to sleep. Oh, I can't. I just said this this week. I cannot, I cannot stop every morning now. It's such a sad way to begin the day when you wake up and you look in the clock and you're like, okay, X more hours before I can take a nap. And you just woke up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm standing in the shower like, okay, so what do we have today? I'm trying to remember what commitments. Am I meeting anybody today? No, I'm not playing golf. Oh, yeah, we have a conference call at 1130. Oh. I, can, I can sleep through that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just dial it in. And Actually, I think I might be hitting the road uh, this uh, uh, today to go try a burger. So maybe I'll just put the conference call on while I'm driving to my destination. No. Don't put it on mute. Just eat while you just obnoxiously eat through the conference call. I bet you that's happened millions of times in this pandemic with people on the calls that they've been doing. And you just hear someone crunching their way through whatever meal or yelling at their kids. I say you eat that burger live. Oh, that I kind of like that. I'll just be sitting there like there's mac and cheese inside the bun. <laughs> Focus, Brett. Focus. <laughs> I am focusing very hard on my meal. Is that uh, the one you attempt or you are going to attempt today? I think I might be heading out to the, the Thirsty Lion in Charleswood because I actually have some friends in Charleswood, uh, Natalie and Gary Fee. And they they very generously donated, to, they gave me some stuff when I moved into my apartment last year. They gave me some t- a coffee table and some end tables and some kitchen knives. And they've got like some pots and pans. Remember when I burnt my pizza, like I left it cooking? I do. And I torched that pan. Right. That was months ago. And they say they've got a box of pots and pans for me. But it's it's out in Charleswood and I haven't had the opportunity to get out there. So I feel like if I go out there today for the burger then i can go see them it's like an excursion so yeah <laughs> the ironic part is you probably should pack a lunch to go to charleswood <laughs> but if you're going to charleswood for lunch that means you're gonna have two lunches <laughs> it's funny you say that i was just thinking about how to i had a girlfriend who lived out in charleswood years ago and when you plan to go to her house you just it felt like you were like better pack some water in case i get stranded <laughs> a jerry can of gas like it just felt Far. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of those neighborhoods, and, and like I grew up in Transcona, so of course I got that all the time. Like, oh, yes. you don't forget your passports for going all the way out to Transcona. <laughs> but it, it's one of those things where if you don't have a reason, then you never find yourself there. Like I never find myself driving through Charleswood unless I'm like, I think I went to Breezy Bend Golf Course a couple or last month. So that was the first time I'd driven through Charleswood in months. Like it's, I have no reason to go there 
unless I'm going to see someone or I'm going on a specific destination like today for La Burger Week. I think that's what people in Charleswood like about Charleswood. It's a destination <laughs> on its own. And if you don't belong here, we can tell. Stay out of our borders. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you have it, if you are feeling the same, tired, groggy, is it because of the weather? Is is Greg onto something? Am I nesting? Is that why I'm hungry? Is my body already preparing for winter? By the way, a question of the day results yesterday at CJOB.com brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. The question yesterday morning was, do you enjoy the transition from summer to fall? And 47%, 48% say, yeah, I love it. 27% say, no, I hate it. And 25% say, meh. Oh, so it's it's really, I think, 50-50 then. Because you could combine the meh with the no, I hate it. On, in, on Instagram, it was two to one, though, still for yeah, I love it. Because oh, you, okay. you only had two options on Instagram. Yeah, I love it. No, I hate it. Okay. And it was two to one there for yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. Okay. Uh, fall also, of course, brings with it school. And today, Loren, the schools will be populated with teachers. Yeah, teachers going back to class today. So we're going to visit with the Manitoba Teachers Society after 8 to ask them some of the questions I think a lot of us have. Uh, how's gym going to work? How are recesses going to work? We've been rolling out different plans throughout the past few days, getting different schedules. And so the teachers are going to find out how things look as they move into the classroom. Although we all know most teachers get back to class earlier than the day they're required to. Many of them have been in and out of those schools for, for days, if not weeks now. But they've got work to get down to as of today official work and greg of course we've got more questions because many of us are getting our schedules and seeing how the fall term's gonna look for our kids well what did i say to you guys yesterday on text looks like i'm going back to grade nine <laughs> because my one of my boys is doing uh days one and two in class, full days, and then days three, four, five, and six, distance learning. Mm. So it would appear as though I am going to have to put on some version of a teacher's hat, cape, whatever <laughs> incredible costume they should be wearing. And I will be literally going back to grade nine to uh, help one of my boys get through this because it's going to be difficult. Of the two boys, he's probably the one that did not appreciate the distance learning uh, the most between the two of them. And so it's going to be up to me to make sure that he stays focused, gets his work done. And he's the one who wanted to, to go to the, because your boys go to different schools, They're right? going to different schools. So yeah, he was, uh, he was excited with the notion because everything that we had heard was that they had installed the three-sided plexiglass on each desk. So that was telling us, that was the, the signaling to us, oh boy, it looks like maybe they're going to get to go full days every day because that's going to break down some of the barriers that will allow them to do certain things in terms, at least that was the perception that it would allow them to do certain things that would have more kids in the school. Yeah, nope, some, that's not I, I, how it turned out. Mackling McGarry McNabb text message at 204-780-6868 from Denny firing a shot across the bow in response to the saying that I used this morning that's going to trigger our next conversation in our next segment where I was standing in my kitchen saying, man alive, I am tired. And uh, and I, then I thought, why am I saying man alive? And Denny says, if I didn't know better, I'd have estimated your use of the term man alive as clear evidence that you are in your 80s. <laughs> That's the second day in a row I've been told. I mean, what are you, in your 80s? Because yesterday was the, the word delightful. And, and someone said, are you 86? Eve, with a great callback to yesterday, says this morning's sunrise is delightful. Attaboy, Eve. <laughs> Good job. Um, so we'll get into that in our next segment. And you can text us the funny things that you say. Uh, Greg's got a great story about a particular commercial from the 1980s that I think many Winnipeggers know and instinctively say and might not even know where they got it from. Why do I say that? So we'll get into that in our next segment. But uh, we're going to start this half hour at school 
Because, Greg, you sent us, uh, safe to say, a rather frustrated text message. Yeah, uh, frustrated and uh, disappointed is a little strong. Uh, Surprised might encapsulate it. Uh, wholeheartedly. I got uh, the timetable for one of my boys, and I know we we discussed this briefly about 20 minutes ago, uh, where he's going to be going to school days one and two, and then days three, four, five, and six of the school cycle will be distance education. And so contrasting that with a lot of the stories that we've been hearing from other parents, uh, I know high school is a different animal in terms of changing classes. They're going to be eliminating a lot of the elective courses. Uh, electives may not be offered at all. And uh, Loren, I don't know about you, but I was one. I always loved to change my my uh, my timetable and switch into classes where either my friends were or ones that worked better for me, depending on what was going on. And uh, they're not allowing timetable changes at a lot of schools either. So much different setup for those kids going into high school. And for my boys, this is year one. Grade nine is a real critical year for for students and their studies. So walk me through this. It, it, it works as it did when I was in high school. It's on a six-day cycle. Yes. And... You uh, day one and it alters. So Monday's not always going to be day one. Correct. It's going to rotate through. So there might be some days, given on your schedule, that one of your sons has where he's only actually physically at the school one day that entire week. Correct. So two days of school learning per cycle, four distance learning. That's that's not even half of his time spent inside that building. Correct. And so, and one of the one of my other my other boy is doing uh, mornings for the entire first semester every single day, but then afternoons is distance learning. So uh, really, one of my kids is in school an entire half day less than the other, I think, based on the math. So it's it's a considerable amount when they're already not going full time. So they're scheduling things here. First of all, how do parents, if, if you kids, if you have to drive your kids to school, that's their way to school, how are you managing that? Or are you moving them over to the bus at this age and saying you need to get to and from school either through the school bus, if that's an option, or transit? Like, How, how are you managing just the juggling of getting them to and from that with the different different days? Well, that's uh, we, had, we had carpooling set up for uh, one of the boys that goes to the school farthest from home. And then we had a plan in terms of uh, getting the other one uh, to school and home. Now we have to revamp that entire plan. And the bigger question is, you know, how do you... The word's not trust. How do you ensure that your kids are doing everything that they're supposed to be doing? Because our experience at the end of last year was pretty solid in terms of communication with the teacher. The teacher was great at letting us know what was assigned, what the kids should be doing. But in terms of double checking whether or not that they've done it, it was an onerous, it was a gigantic task. And of course, you have to take your kid's word for it to a certain extent that they've done what's expected because they know better than you in terms of what the expectation is for the assignment, for the project. And uh, unfortunately, it ends up being a couple days after these things are due that you find out that they're not done properly. And that's just a reality, I think, for a lot of parents right now that they're at the mercy of so many things, their own schedule, the teacher's communication style, technology, and then your kid's ability slash willingness to put in the work to keep up. That's where the, 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 the ability to put in the work or to keep up, the motivation uh, I think I personally would probably struggle in an environment where I had to do the distance learning if I was in school because I, I like I'll just draw a parallel to working out. I find I do better when I'm at a gym. When there are other people in the gym, that provides me with motivation to do it myself. Right. I tried when the pandemic started and the gym shut down. I said, I'm going to go up, walk up the stairs every day and I'm going to lift weights at home and I'm going to do this, this, this. No, I didn't. I just ate pizza for the last six months. Um, and even now the gyms are open, but I've been busy golfing. But so if I had to do the bulk of my learning at home without my peers, I would really struggle with that. Mm. And the difference now to me is that, you know, you could look at that, Brett, whether you, you use your exercise 
exercise analogy or just the school, kids having to really put a lot on themselves and be disciplined. In March, April, May, June, you, you, it felt like, okay, that's a short-term thing. I can get through this or I will manage this as best I can in this moment. Now we're shifting into, into the idea that this is a long-term schedule, Greg. So it's not just like, okay, you know what? We'll manage for these few months and then we'll move on. No, now this is almost, this is the new normal is, is the words we've been using and might be for the foreseeable future. So not only is there scheduling for you to try to get them to school, to figure out how that's going to work, to to make sure they're actually doing the work, then there's the teacher side of things. So, you know, back in the spring, they were doing remote learning for everybody. And so their goal was to just focus on getting videos up online, Zoom classes with their kids, all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to figure out how the teacher now as well, is the expectation they're going to have kids in class, say day ones, two, three, four, five, six, but also have to push stuff out to your child day one, two, three, four, five, six, if he's not in the class. Like that seems like a, a lot of things to juggle and I can't figure out how they're going to do that either. No, and I think that's the gigantic concern of a lot of the teachers that I speak with is A, the expectation of being there every single day. What if I get sick? What do I do with my kids if they get sick? There's this expectation that you're going to be doing in-class teaching and online assignments and checking up and keeping in contact on an entirely different level. Think about how many times you normally interact with your teacher. It's when your kids are in trouble or when you have uh, parent-teacher interviews. For a lot of parents, that's the extent of their either face-to-face or their on-phone conversation with their kids. It's not an extensive amount. Well, I think there's going to be ex- an expectation that it's a drastically higher amount uh, over the next little while. And, Loren, you're right. This is the expectation in terms of uh, the timetable, not just for first semester going through till January, Until June. This is the way they've laid it out right now. Adam just texted, I hate the phrase new normal. Can't we just say normal? And he's right. Eventually, it will just be normal that this is how it goes. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, if you are just tuning in this morning when I got up, I found myself wondering, why am I so tired? Why am I so hungry? I said, man alive, I am tired. And then I immediately thought, what does that even mean, man alive? Like, how does, it, how, how does this kind of stuff happen? And, and then I thought, why am I saying it? Well, my dad says it. Well, why does my dad say it? Where does he get it? And that's why Denny is saying, are you in your 80s <laughs> saying man alive? My dad's not in his 80s, Smash Gordon, but I don't know where he picked it up. Probably just, from his dad. Yeah. So uh, it's just something I say. So the, we thought, started thinking about the funny things that we say. And Loren, uh, you landed on one that is <laughs> that is so vintage Winnipeg. What was that? Well, I think it was my mom who started saying this, but I have found myself repeating it. I think it's got to be 35 years after the phrase, you've got it, Park Pontiac, <laughs> first emerged on the Winnipeg scene. I, I can distinctly hear my mom saying that as a kid, but every once in a while I've thrown that out and there's zero reference point now for anyone, right? Like what? What's what's a Park Pontiac? Why is that like? Why does that have? What do cars mean that you've got this? So that was the commercial back, I think, 1986, Brett, when I looked it up this morning, starring... Uh, Lisa Best of former global TV fame and the phrase was you've got it Park Pontiac and, of course, and now I people used it to say like yeah I'll be there or no problem I'll get that done it's beyond me why that's still in my brain and of course the wicked tagline that went along with it from brother Jake Edwards the immortal brother Jake doing radio still to this day in Vancouver and that day that saying is such a Part of the Winnipeg lexicon, Adam Beach told me a story years ago about the time he was on set, I think it was for Code Talkers, and they were in the middle of the desert somewhere (laughs) shooting a scene. They had a giant production meeting, and somebody said one thing, and this voice from the masses said, you got it, Park Pontiac, (laughs) and Adam Beach's ears went up. He goes, where's the pegger? Where where are (laughs) you? So instant connection, right? It's a a geographical, uh, one of those uh, isms from Winnipeg. Everybody else is probably thinking, what the hell is he talking about, Park Pontiac? (laughs) Let's go around the horn here. Skylar Peters, do you have any weird sayings where you go, why do I say this? Uh, The only one is uh, tie one on which I 
like when you're talking about, uh, you know, having a couple drinks. And so I looked it up because <laughs> I was wondering if maybe I'm just ill-informed. And there's a bunch of different references to, like, the Wild West and tying up your horse to go to the saloon. or Oh! Um, there's some to do with sailing and they, like, certain flags or, or pulling down their masts and stuff. Um, but in Britain, apparently tying one on is when you're still hung over from the day before and you tie on the next night. Uh-huh. Uh, so like a, you know, a Friday, Saturday, you know, double header. So that actually, <laughs> now it kind of makes sense to me. And I wish I was around my grandparents more. They're still in Brandon, but I mean, they've got sayings on sayings. And so now they're all kind of escaping my mind. But the one that really makes me mad is, um, when people say they could care less. Oh, I was going to say that too. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Then care you obviously less, care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Like, it's not what you mean, but. Yeah, yeah, it's and what is it supposed to be? Couldn't. Very good. A, a grammar lesson from Skylar Peters. You're Jeff Forte, what about you? Well, actually, this morning I uh, forgot to set my alarm. So when I woke up, I uh, looked at my phone, said 420. I went, holy crap. Like, where does holy crap or holy cow come from? Yeah. That one, I, I just, it, it confuses me. The Bible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, holy crap is in the Bible? <laughs> no. I don't know. 4J316 says, holy crap. <laughs> what about you, Jeff Braun? Uh, the thing that happens to me all the time is I'll watch an old favorite movie I like, and someone in the movie will say something, and I'm like, oh, that's where I get that from. That happens to me constantly. And the most, the actor I quote the most uh, is these old Jim Carrey movies, especially Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber. Like, uh, I'll, I'll say, all righty then, all the time, or do not go in there, <laughs> or even... Uh, if I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. We've got one listener saying, please tell me why I say geez, Murphy. Uh, oh. Not, I've I've yes. edited that very slightly. Yes. Apparently it's a, a common Canadianism. Uh, Newfoundland? I, well, I'm just looking for Rex it Rex Murphy? It says it was, <laughs> was or is common across Canada. I'm trying to find the explanation. Beachcombers? I don't know. Okay, I'll have to do some digging on on that. I thought Why I maybe had one. Why beachcombers, Jeff? Uh, isn't there a guy named Murphy on the beachcombers? I don't know. <laughs> that is so Canadian. I think, I think it's just taking, it's all about the idea if you take, you know, the Lord's name in vain. So the holy cow, the G's Murphy, all that is is just basically kind of almost like you're like swearing. softening it up. Yeah, I, I heard a dad this weekend uh, yell, oh, Hannah Montana. <laughs> I was like, that's so great. He's clearly wanting to swear right now, but instead is, is throwing that out at his kids. So I thought that was pretty good. And just on the subject of, of uh, sayings, Dominic sent a funny one. He says... My dad would say that's better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick. <laughs> and our response to that was, or a kick in the butt with a frozen boot. Frozen boot. Why does the boat the boot always have to be frozen? Yeah. That's my question. Yeah, like how did the boot freeze? Because the kick in the rear end doesn't hurt enough. The boot <laughs> has to be frozen. And then uh, one of our listeners, I love this. No way, Jose. Be there or be square. Yeah. And then from Welcome Back, Cotter. Do you remember the saying? Happy days it was sit on it. Okay. Welcome back, Carter, was up your nose with a rubber hose. Rubber hose, right. (laughs) So text us 204-780-6868. The funny things we say, if you have a story that accompanies it, text us that. And then at 9.15, we're going to give away a large two-topping pizza for Santa Lucia. The plan to install the first of many flashing lights in Winnipeg school zones, Loren, might not happen this fall. Yeah, so yesterday we spoke with Chuck Lewis of Expert Electric, and he's the Winnipegger that has been waiting years, and we do mean years, three to four years, for the city to take him up on his offer to install free flashing yellow lights in school zones. And we went to him yesterday because we wanted to update you on where that offer stood, because it's now September, and as we know, Winnipeg police are once again enforcing that 30 kilometer per hour speed limit in school zones. And so Chuck had told us that he had hoped to get the first set of lights up sometime this weekend. Well, I think that the plan was that they wanted to install one set at a school and just do a test site to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, um, which I'm fine with, right? Like, I know they'll work quite fine. And then after that, then they're going to roll out one school per month, and the city gets to choose the schools. 
The plan to install these lights was sent to the city's public works department back in early June. And again, Lewis was hoping and planning to have the first set installed by Tuesday. But according to our next guest, there are still more hurdles to jump. Kevin Klein is the counselor for Charleswood Tuxedo Westwood, and he's been working closely with Chuck Lewis to try and get these signs installed. Good morning, Counselor Klein. Good morning. Was that Epstein on Welcome Back to Carter that said that? Yeah, I think they all said it at one point. One Epstein, of course, his his notes were uh, just simply signed Epstein's mother. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to use that at the next council meeting. (laughs) So three words for you, Counselor. What's going on? Good question. Um, what's happening here is, as you know, we put this motion forward uh, in early twenty or late twenty or early twenty nineteen. It had been four years at that point. He had gone to the city twice. Chuck has, and it's gone back and forth and back and forth. And then late uh, uh, last spring, I got involved to help with uh, trying to finalize that agreement with Chuck. So we finalized the agreement. But what happens now is that now it has to go back to the committees, and the committees have to say that they're good with it. And then once that's all done, uh, having making sure that they don't want to change anything and everything goes through, uh, then we can start putting the uh, the lights up. Chuck can start putting the lights up. And I think the first one in, in talking with Chuck is uh, we would like to see go into the Westwood area where Chuck is. That's his home. He grew up there, and there's a school there that's uh, you know had issues in the past. So that's the very first school that they're looking at doing. Winnipeg police have said the reduced speeds in these school zones is critical this year, given there might be more kids walking or riding their bikes because fewer kids are allowed on the bus. So can we not expedite this? Well, you would think that once the agreement was signed, we could have expedited it. Because my thought was if uh, the politicians had already said, well, you just have to have an agreement with the city, and the city uh, took all that time to write an agreement to to accept a free gift, um, then we could just start installing them at that moment when the agreement was signed by the city of Winnipeg legal department and by Mr. Lewis. Uh, but I was wrong. Um, what has to happen now is it has to go back through the political system because politicians like to have their part in it and they will then determine whether or not this uh, agreement is good enough to go forward. So what's an actual timeline there, Kevin, what would that mean when this would first get discussed by the politicians, as you put it? Well, and I am one, so I shouldn't really talk like that. But um, the the hope is is that it will go before the Standing Policy Committee this month. And if it gets approved there, uh, it's my understanding that they can go ahead right away. I haven't been able to determine yet if it has to go through to EPC and then to uh, City Council. The hope is property planning and development has the authority to accept gifts on behalf of the city. Not sure why it's that particular standing policy committee, but they have that. They accepted it, but they're now they're working on the deal, and I believe now it's going to go back to IRPW. Um, so we'll see what they want to do with it. Kevin, there will be those that say the reason the city's dragging its feet on this is because they're addicted to the revenue that these uh, speed zones create with the photo enforcement. What do you say to that? Well, you know, I've I've had conversations with a lot of people, and if you're speeding, you're speeding, and you should get a ticket for it, number one. But we should be doing everything we can as as a city and as a community to put the warning signs out, because if it is for safety, and we are going to have more kids driving, and and it's getting darker now, earlier in the day, uh, and when you have storms, you have snow, those flashing lights will alert a driver. And that, I believe, is the least we can do as a community for the safety of the children. Now, if that flashing light is on and a driver continues to speed, well, they should get a ticket. But we should be doing our part, and you're right. I, I, I can completely understand why people think that, because how long has it taken Mr. Lewis to give this gift to the city to, you know, make uh, drivers aware? Well, we're talking over five years now, so one would have to assume it's just about the money. Councillor Kevin Klein joining us live on 680 CJOB. Always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Thank you very much. We say them and we don't really know what they mean or where they came from. Like Jacob says, when someone would fall, my sister-in-law would say, they went ass over tea kettle. Okay, I know what one thing is, but where's my tea kettle? Yeah. What, what part of my anatomy are you referring to as my tea kettle? McNabb, you got any idea? Mm, your heart, it's boiling. <laughs> trying, to, trying to, you know, the pot. I don't know. 
tip of the I got nothing. Yeah, like I I say that all the time. I said that the other day when I was telling my (laughs) friends about how I had, in order to avoid going over tea kettle into the water hazard at the golf course, I had to put both feet into the water. And then I thought, I still don't know what that means. But it's fun to say. So keep those coming. And again, if you have a story associated with said saying, like where you got it from, or maybe your dad or your mom used to say something, text us, 204-780-6868. Greg, I bet you you went over tea kettle when you heard this news we're about to discuss. Oh, you got that right. And and I love that you put this in this script. As the North American (laughs) Ice Hockey League Championships move towards the conference finals, seven teams remain in the running for Lord Stanley's Cup. The Winnipeg Jets managed to steal more than their fair share of the hockey talk, though, in the past 24 hours. Yeah, so here's what is going on on the ice. Last night, uh, both the Philadelphia Flyers and the Canucks won their games. They actually faced elimination, so those series carry on. And then, of course, tonight, Dallas will try and join the Tampa Bay Lightning in the next round with a win over Colorado. But as more hockey-like weather makes its presence felt in Manitoba... The Winnipeg Jets, Patrick Laine and Nikolai Ehlers found themselves in the spotlight on social media anyways yesterday, Greg. Mm-hmm. Ken Weeb covers the Jets for Sportsnet and joins us now. Good morning, Ken. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, great saying from hockey, uh, the old over-key kettle. Uh, normally referring to a hip check, I think, but uh, I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> Hope you guys are doing great. <laughs> Thanks for uh, chiming in on that, Ken. Uh, Yeah, we were sort of looking for the origin there, but that's okay. We figure you're on your way out hunting for more holes in one on your way to the golf course today. Good guess? Uh, Yep, accurate. accurate, accurate. (laughs) (laughs) All right, to the task at hand. The Winnipeg Jets, I think we would uh, all agree, took a step back in each of their past two seasons in terms of their progression towards the Stanley Cup. This has led to speculation from one sports network that the Winnipeg Jets may be willing to trade either Patrick Laine or Nikolai Ehlers in order to fill the obvious holes in their lineup. And Loren was correct when I threw up my hands in disgust with this suggestion. Ken Weeb, are the Winnipeg Jets actively looking to trade either of these players? Yeah, not to my knowledge. Uh, I think you would be actively looking at all options uh, it would have to be a return to blow Kevin Chevelday off and company away uh, for me. I don't see those two guys going anywhere except uh, possibly up the lineup with the Winnipeg Jets, at least one of them, uh, as I wrote in my column. But uh, as we know, you're trying to improve your team at all times for sure. But for me, despite the issues on defense and second-line center, if you trade Nikolai Ehlers or Patrick Laine, you're immediately looking for a 30 to 50 goal scorer. And those guys are hard to find. Yes, we know that the Jets have made trades for a second-line center in each of the past three trade deadlines with various levels of success. But for me, you don't trade uh, guys with the potential to score 50 goals. I mean, we we remember it's not that long ago that the Jets nation was uh, praising hallelujah when the Jets had the right to select Patrick Laine at second overall and Nikolai Ehlers just had his best season uh, as an, as an NHL player. And for me, Patrick Laine had his most impactful season, even though we know he had 44 goals as a sophomore. So uh, I look at other options uh, when it comes to those positions and they're going to be creative. They're going to look at trades, but I would not trade either of those players at this time uh, under almost any circumstance. So last, go ahead, Loren. No, I was just going to say, you mentioned the defense, Ken. So the fact that last year we had uh, retirement of Bufflin, Trubo left, yep. Ben Sherratt, Myers. So is it more about restocking the def- defense as we move forward? Yeah, I would say that that's priority number one. And, and also because the Jets have some internal options that are worth exploring, whether that's Blake Wheeler, as I suggested, or Andrew Cobb, those two guys could do the job admirably. Uh, internally, they have two young defensemen in Vili Hainola and Dylan Sandberg, who will challenge for a roster spot. Their depth is on defense in terms of their prospect pool. So, as I also wrote about, go out and get someone like Alex Petrangelo. If you want to make a bold move, all of that move does is cost you money. Yes, you have to convince him to leave St. Louis and come here, but for me, that's a much quicker way to speed up your rebuild uh, than trading a franchise winger that's a great goal scorer. So, 
Uh, there's good, are there are going to be options in trade and free agency. I mean, St. Malo product, Travis Hamannick will be a guy who's on the radar for many. Uh, he would check a lot of boxes. High character guy. Uh, he's a guy who plays a physical game. Uh, I think that he'd be a guy who'd be open to coming back to his home province to play. We know there have been some speculation about him in the past. Uh, he'd be a nice fit. Dylan DeMello is a guy that jets. Same thing. You can All it costs you is cash to bring him back. So uh, for me, defense is the priority. And then go out and get a second-line center via trade or free agency because there's going to be a lot of teams that have some salary cap issues and, and may make a move that they don't necessarily want to make, but they're forced to make because of the financial implications. How many steps back have the Jets taken, Ken? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, it depends on on your definition. I mean, obviously, this is a team that went to the conference final two years ago, knocked out in the first round by the champions the next year, and then didn't even technically make the playoffs. So I'm with you. I mean, I, and I wrote about this, too, at the end of the season. I mean, some, some fans said I was wrong, and I'm like, uh, this is a fact. The Jets were here, and now they're here. But I think with their core group, they're not necessarily as far away as some people think, but they're not also not necessarily as close as others think. So they're somewhere in that murky middle, and that's why the personnel decisions need to be made to upgrade the group, add a little bit of size, and give those core pieces that are under contract for at least four more years the most optimal situation to chase a Stanley Cup because that's what their window's like. You have Shifley, Wheeler, Kyle Connor, Josh Morrissey, Nikolai Ehlers, Connor Hellebuck. Those guys are locked up for at least four more years. Optimize this next three- to four-year window and give it your best shot. So for me, it's somewhere in the middle. They've taken for sure one step back and maybe even two, but those steps back can be erased by a big offseason. At Weeb's World on Twitter. He's a great follow. His work for Sportsnet, second to none in my opinion. Ken, thanks for this, and uh, good luck on the course today. We appreciate your insight. My pleasure. Enjoy the rest of the show, and thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, Ken Weeb joining us live on 680 CJOB. He covers the Jets for Sportsnet. I've heard he's an excellent golfer. Two holes in one. <gasps> if it wasn't really? last summer, it was two summers ago. Wow. Uh, within about a week of each other. Really? Yes. Oh, you're in that club now too, Brad. Well, I have one. I have well, one. I don't have two. It's so. illustrious yeah. company you have there. You know what? What I'm thinking is maybe it's not as hard as it sounds if everyone's just getting them. So I'm, <laughs> I'm taking back my, I'm taking back my respect for you, Brett. Oh, it just no. feels like everyone's got one. How hard could that be? Uh, it's a knife to my heart, Loren. <laughs> <laughs> I'm broken. We are getting, as always, uh, a wonderful avalanche of text messages at 204-780-6868 on the, the weird things that we say, and we don't really know where they come from. Like, uh, you watch, I knows mine onions. That's from Candace. <laughs> Never, ever heard that one. But I love it. I do. I love it, too. I love that it's mine onions. Mine onions. Yeah. Had you ever heard that one, McNabb? No, not at all. But I, sometimes I think some of these are expressions that we have, and then we've adopted them or got gotten them wrong like what is the phrase where you say uh well it doesn't matter which way we go with this it's six in one side half a dozen on the other or something yeah. like that right six of one half a dozen of right. the other sure. so they're I, exactly the same but then right but i've heard people say it doesn't matter it's sixes and twelves and you're like uh that's different that's, that's not, not the same, <laughs> not the same. <laughs> but, so i just think too that's what happens right there might have been like an actually legitimately good saying that made sense along the way and good then we've point. just changed it and sixes and twelves no different <laughs> sixes and twelves then okay you say so uh six beer you want to get charged for 12 i don't think so no you don't pay for 12 you want 12 yeah if you i'll pay i'll pay for uh six and get 12 but not the other way around or are there ones like like bob's your uncle or if you want robert's your father's brother like where what i heard that once in a movie And Robert's your father's brother. That's That's a very formal turn of phrase. That was in uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, I think. (laughs) That's great. Or uh, a Bob job. Have you ever heard that one? Oh, what a Bob job. Someone that doesn't do a very good job, say, on a renovation or installing a light socket or perhaps uh, baseboards, that sort of thing. So No. No? Okay. Linda just texted, when someone asks you a question you do not want to answer, my father would say, does the Bay tell Eaton's how to do their business? 
Very good. Oh, very good indeed. Yeah, and then, of course, there's a callback here from Arthur, which, I mean, this was, I think, funny. It's funny, too, how sometimes things were so typical and now completely unacceptable, like uh, Arthur pointing out the honeymooners. What did he used to say? Pow, right to the moon, Right to the moon, Alice, right. And, like, I'm going to punch you, basically, I think what he was saying. Yeah, I'm going to hit you to the moon. Uh, But that, because my dad used to say, right to the moon. And then when I finally learned what it meant, I thought... That's not really funny. No. And uh, he said, yeah, I guess you're right, hey? So uh, keep those coming at 204-780-6868. Tyson saying, uh, hell-bent for elections. Going to, I'm going, I've heard to older folks refer to going fast as hell-bent for elections. Or is it hell-bent for election? I know hell-bent for leather. Oh. <laughs> what, what's that mean? Uh, that's a that's a Judas Priest uh, album Uh-oh. and or song, but I thought that was uh, an actual an actual saying. Okie dokie, artichoke. Heather says, "Don't get your knickers in a bunch." Oh man, these are a lot of really good sayings. Keep them coming. And then coming up after global news at oh. nine o'clock. Oh, wait, Lorenz got one. What do you got? When leaving a friend's house, this texter says, "I say, gonna make like a baby and head out." <laughs> I had to read that one, but yes, you're right. Coming up after eight, but we're of course going back to school. I don't think I hope these kids aren't going to learn any sayings when they go back to school. But the teachers are going back to school, and so not only are we going to talk to the teacher society after eight, but later today there's a technical briefing with the province and some education officials and reporters where we're going to hear more on this uh, restart program to get kids back to school and getting kids back to school safely. So there'll be more school talk throughout the day as well. You know what? Actually, one of the things that I learned in school, you talked about the kids not learning sayings. I went to French immersion Mm. and I can't remember if it was grade 10, 11. uh, I think it was in high school. And our teacher, Monsieur Dion, Roland Dion, he actually taught us slang terms in French, like things that we might say in English, but have no idea how to say them in French because typically uh, a direct translation would not make sense. Um, but, uh, we, we actually had a full like block of our curriculum was learning. I think we learned like two or three dozen different slang terms, which I, of course, I, the only one I remember is clair comme la boue, which is clear as mud. Clear as mud. Well, see that translates. Yeah. But one of my best friends, uh, he lo- he's a uh, French Canadian, uh, originally and Le Boys is one of his favorite movies. Says, Tonight we're watching Le Boys. Okay. And you sit and you watch and he's laughing away at this stuff. I'm reading the subtitles and it's like, this isn't really very funny. He goes, I guess it doesn't translate very well, but I love it. <laughs> I think that's common that the, the humor in one language, you just simply cannot because the turn of phrase mm-hmm. doesn't, there's no direct translation and yep. therefore it's, it's lost, lost in translation. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on the start. Hey, Loren, I think uh, you're off the next couple of days, right? I'm just trying to figure out what I'm doing. I'm definitely off Friday. How do you like that for a non-answer? <laughs> she was. <laughs> well, there's so much going on with our back-to-school plans for on-air stuff for the next few days. And, of course, for Tuesday that I feel like I'm going to end up working anyway. So I'm just uh, I'm, I'm going through the motions of sorting that out. You know how it goes. Who right? sounds like uh, less of a politician today, Kevin Klein or Loren McNabb? <laughs> what wow. we're going to do is we're going to go to the people. We're gonna They're going to vote on it. That's going to happen sometime Have in the near study. future. Yeah. And then uh, we'll consult as to the yeah, best hire way a forward. Consultant, yeah. mm-hmm. Then I'm going to throw that consultancy report right out the window. Right. Yep. Hire another one, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to do nothing of what it suggests. How's that sound? <laughs> and just make your own damn decision. That's is basically right. what's going to come down to. Yeah. That is great. And by the way, Lorena, what you what you should be thinking is, you know, with all the back to school planning and stuff, when when it comes to a day off, the only answer is I don't care what's going on. <laughs> right. When you're not here. Doesn't matter. Just enjoy your day off. I know. I know. We'll see. I'll let you know. You work too hard, Loren. We all work. Too, everybody's working too hard these days. Yeah. Well, I think Loren works a bit harder than most of us. But uh, I do. I like the way you sum that up in very Winnipeg terms. And 
and when it comes to Winnipeg, one of the neat things about Winnipeg, Greg, is the fact that you can have the streets with the same name in multiple parts of the city, right? Good uh, point. But one of our passions on this program is to introduce you to you individuals with their own passions, and if those passions are connected to our community, even better. So our next guest is a born and raised Winnipegger and a proud resident of the West End. He declares himself a fount of useless history trivia, and he suggests you try not to sit next to him at a party. But, Greg, I would wholeheartedly disagree with that because he's fascinating. Oh, so would I. Christian Cassidy is the passion behind West End Dumplings, Blogspot, and uh, several other endeavors connected to the West End. Christian, good morning, sir. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Doing really well. I'm a longtime fan of your work. It's terrific to finally get you on the air with us. Oh, wonderful. Well, glad to be here. Well, the West End, uh, you may or may not know, close to my heart and a gigantic part of my personal history. And one of the largest sources of pride is, of course, the story of Pine Street, or as most of us know it by now, Valor Road. I just want to play for folks a, a clip here from the story immortalized in A Heritage Minute. Stay down, Sergeant Fred Hall lived on Winnipeg's Pine Street. Bob Shanklin lived on Pine Street too. And you know what? So did Leo Clark. And the hall! Sergeant! Sergeant! It's Clark! We just heard he took out 20 Germans! Clark? Clark, Shanklin, Hall. Amazingly, they all won the highest award for courage we could give them. The Victoria Cross. That's why we changed the name of Pine Street to Valor Road. So this week on your blog, you shared the story of Newman Street, not the one in Transcona, Brett McGarry, but the one in the West End and its mind-blowing contributions to military service over the years. Uh, would you do something you do so well? Please tell us a story about this street that is just one block long. Well, that's right. Uh, Newman Street is the uh, best way to describe it. It's off Portage Avenue between Aaron and Wall but on the other side of Portage Avenue. So it's just a block long, connects Portage Avenue and Wolseley Avenue. And uh, I was uh, researching as, because I have all these blogs, uh, sometimes when you're researching something, you find something else that's even more interesting uh, than what you're researching, two columns over. And it was a wonderful column by Lillian Gibbons, who's a journalist at the Tribune for 40 years, and she wrote wonderful uh, personal interest stories. And on December the 4th, 1943, she wrote a column about the little street that went to war. And at the time, Newman Street had only 51 houses on it, and it probably still does only have 51 houses on it. But at the time she was writing, there were 31 uh, men from the street who were in active service during World War II. Kind of mind-blowing. Everybody's got a story. Is that how you've always seen it? Yes, no, absolutely, absolutely. Where do you get your, you know, I, I know you're, you're a historian. You also did your own shows on radio, Christian. I mean, how, where do you find, and the proof's not the right word, but where do you find the backing for all these things you hear? Because there's so many stories in our community that someone will say, did you know that, you know, that street was named after this or that? And then I think, huh, I wonder if that's true. And sometimes when you go looking or Googling, you don't always find that information right away. So you must have to do an incredible amount of digging sometimes, whether it's archives or other, to sort of back up what you what we've heard to, to be true. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I never want to perpetuate, uh, uh, you know, urban myths or anything like that. So uh, usually a lot of digging, you know, when I write a story, I sometimes have to read 30 newspaper articles about something and you look in uh, uh, past a certain date, uh, vital statistic records are available to the public and there's street directories and uh, you try to crack them all open and see if dates and names and things like that match up and uh, this one this one it seemed to you know i kind of followed some of the soldiers uh some of the people kind of through the through the course of the war um the one good story is of the 31 people that served it seems like every one of them survived there were a couple of people who were uh taken prisoner so there was some uh and there was a dramatic story about two who actually weren't soldiers there were missionaries on the way to the congo and uh the nazis seized their 
ship and they were held in POW camps. And uh, so there are some dramatic stories out of them, but it seems like everybody everybody ended up surviving. And uh, yeah, which was which was interesting. Uh, World War II soldiers are a little harder to research than World War One soldiers because the records haven't all become become public yet. So uh, one day when all the World War Two papers are released, uh, somebody can probably dig back and absolutely verify that nobody died, but it seems like they all survived. You know, I can't speak for other cities, but I know here in Winnipeg, there's that connection to where you grew up, and we do a small town salute every Thursday here on the start, Christian, and, you know, I identify myself as a West Ender as growing up there, even though I spent time in Brandon and other parts of the city, and I, and I live in a different part of Winnipeg now, but that small town connection to people in your neighborhood within the city of Winnipeg, I think is a super common thing. I think so. I mean, Winnipeg is a city of cities, right? So, you know, there, I, I mean, I've met lots of people from St. James who, you know, did everything, still live in St. James and they do everything in St. James. And, uh, uh, you know, I think the lines are being a little blurred now, but I think certainly, you know, up until maybe the, the last generation or so you get, uh, uh, you know those bonds of being from Transcona or from Elmwood or from North Kildonan were, you know, were still pretty strong. And uh, you know, as a result, um, yeah, you get those those small town stories. And so, when it comes to Newman, this is a house that had just fifty one houses on it, and by the end of uh, nineteen forty three, thirty one of its sons sent off to uh, war. Uh, but you say that uh, you couldn't find any soldiers' obituaries that mention Newman. Yeah, I couldn't. Like I said, it, it's you know the the, the obituary lists didn't always they usually listed the next to kin and where they lived. And of course, almost all of these men, all except for two or three, actually still lived on Newman, which uh, which is really interesting because normally when you read a story about this, uh, you know, even for Valor Road, uh, they didn't all live on the street at the same time and you know things like that so to to really have have almost all of those 31 still actually that's their house that's where they live they grew up on that street still lived with their parents on that street um is is re- you know really a heck of a heck of a coincidence and yeah. uh you know i assume peer pressure um you know they they had they just happened to have so many men of a certain age at that time and the 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 peer pressure and the recruiting, you know, that went on uh, at the time, uh, I guess, really, um, you know, really appealed to them. And you had well, you had one house, the uh, I think it was the Boyd House at number five hundred had three kids um, that Mrs. Boyd uh, sent off to sent off to war. One of them was a was a POW uh, during the war. So it was uh, it would have made for an interesting street life. At the time, they they did band together. They had something called the Newman Street Neighbors, that got together every month and had a potluck supper and raised money for the Red Cross. And uh, you, I, I've come across a couple of stories in newspapers of Newman Street kids doing lemonade sales or craft sales to raise money. And uh, you know, a lot of them busied themselves with the Valor Street Legion. And and uh, I think Mrs. Boyd ended up being the uh, the vice president of the the POW uh, Association of of Manitoba. So, um, you know, there would have been, on the one hand, there would have been a lot of tension on the street. I can imagine every morning when the newspaper hit the mailboxes and everybody went out to read what was happening during the war. Must have been, you probably could have could have felt the tension on the street. But it also brought you know the neighborhood together, probably in uh, in ways that uh, that it wouldn't have if if it wasn't for that common thread that ran through most of the households. Is there anything, Christian, honoring those soldiers on that street? I know uh, Valor Road, which was Pine Street, uh, has its special sign-up and, of course, a monument and all the rest because of the three soldiers who were given the Victoria Cross. Is there anything denoting the significance of the the nearly three dozen men who signed up for the war time I, I, efforts in World War One? Don't believe so. I don't believe so. There was uh, it. It basically all started and ended with uh, Lillian Gibbons' uh, column. There was, of course, mentions of Newman Street soldiers uh, a little later on. But uh, you know, I looked at newspaper archives right through to kind of present day to see if uh, you know maybe a few years after, like because you know Valor Road wasn't named until 1926, it was a number of years after the war. 
but uh, I couldn't find any mention of any, uh, you know, of anything being put up in honor of them. And and sometimes it does take a lot of years to find out. There was, uh, like, for instance, in Selkirk, Manitoba, there's the Dufferin Gang, which had about 35 people on a block that ended up uh, serving in the war. And it's just fairly recently that they've put up uh, they put up a monument. They have a they have a mural on Main Street, and uh, I think they're fundraising now to get a to to get some sort of a monument, a permanent monument at the end of the street. So sometimes it does. Uh, uh, I think just because of the the, the Victoria Crosses, I think uh, yeah. you know Pine Street had kind of a, a celebrity value to it because I mean that's the 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 highest award that you can get, but I think for some of these you know kind of working or middle class streets where people made the sacrifice, uh, there was just so much going on at the time, and uh, I think all these stories got forgotten uh, got forgotten after the war as thousands and thousands of people came back from the war, and uh, you know people got on with their lives. Well, and lots of those soldiers, let's face it, didn't like to tell their war stories. They didn't talk about uh, what they'd been through. And so even their families didn't know the true story of, of what they'd gone through. Christian, uh, we've got to let you go here momentarily, but just this whole idea of storytelling, and you mentioned newspapers, I think at least five times in your last two answers. Uh, we've got small town newspapers disappearing. We've got local uh, radio stations uh, under pressure economically why is it so important that that we keep track of these stories keep telling them in terms of uh, our connection to where we're from and and that that pride factor that i think uh, inevitably comes out of these stories well I, you know I, I think there are two reasons one is simply you should know your history you know it's good for for morale it's good it's good for your town to know where you came from and what happened there um you know there's also a case of of uh uh, if you don't tell these stories, they will get forgotten. Because as you mentioned, a lot of media is, is going under nowadays. Like the, the type of research I do when you read my blog, somebody could not do that 25 years from now. Because so, much, so many fewer newspapers, uh, so much digital content that will, you know, my blog will disappear. You know, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, probably in a year or two, my blog would just disappear off the Internet. Uh, you know, it's really important to, to keep newspapers around, uh, radio stations that tell the stories, uh, local media, and, and, uh, you know, and even things like street directories. You know, they don't publish those anymore. So uh, every time a media outlet shuts down, uh, yeah, you lose, you lose stories, you lose potential future stories about your, about your city that will never, ever get told. Christian Cassidy, Christian Cassidy, pardon me, the man behind the West End Dumplings blog spot, joining us live on 680 CJOB to tell us about Newman Street, which is on the south side of Portage between Aaron and Wall. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the time. Well, thanks for having me. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. This was as difficult a decision as I think we've ever had to make in terms of selecting the winning text message because, A, just the sheer volume of text. We appreciate it so much. Uh, thank you. We're sorry we couldn't. We just There's no way we would have had time to respond to all of the texts. On the funny things that we say, uh, because I this morning I said, man alive, I'm tired. And then I wondered, why do I say man alive? Well, my dad says it. Well, why does my dad say it? I don't know. Just say it. So Joan, for example, texting us, how about this? Like a fart in a mitt. Context is to describe someone who is busy and always on the go. You know they're there, but so busy you never get to see them. Oh, I didn't get that till the end. Yeah. Okay. I can't see you, but I can smell you. I, I know you're there. Smell I, you later. I appreciate the context on that. And with the, the winning one that we, in this, like right down to the last second, we still didn't have a consensus. Greg threw this out there and then we'll go with it. Uh, there was a local one that we'll get to in a moment. Uh, we liked the local context. But speaking of, uh, I'm going to keep it on uh, cutting the cheese here. Uh, Julie, there's another one as it pertains to that topic. Julie says, when my husband and I got together and we reached the point in our relationship where we were comfortable enough to fart in front of each other, I will never forget the first time he said, whoops, those uh, Chinese barking spiders. I looked at him like he had two heads and wondered, what have I got myself into? Fifteen years later, he has dropped that saying, but every now and again, he says, oh, there's that duck uh-huh, again. The ducks <laughs> following me down the street. Patrick had a bunch of them. Uh, he said, when we were little and our pace wasn't fast enough, our father had a few priceless sayisms. 
You're slower than molasses in January. If you go any faster, you'll be going backwards. I'm going to put a post beside you to see if you're moving, and I'd like to get there before tomorrow. Yep, so I enjoyed that. It was like this sort of Uzi, just a machine gun clip, back to back to back. Uh, Loren, can you see this next one here regarding Winkler? I The one that starts with about the boss? Yes. Okay, so it reads, My old boss used to tell me that he was going to hit me so hard that I was going to end up in Plum Coulee. <laughs> I was well into my 20s before I knew that was a real place near Winkler. <laughs> LOL. We would be working on something and it would go something like this. You little beep beep, I'm going to hit you so hard you're going to land in Plum Coulee. Then he would laugh so hard that he forgot what I had done. I was only about 16 at the time. Great big old French man with a temper just as big. Uh-huh. Probably a big heart too, yeah. I imagine. Okay, so we're going with this one as the winner. Yeah. We like the local context when someone asks you a question you do not want to answer my father would say does the bay tell eaton's their business <laughs> i think that's that. a, i think i think that says it all yeah mm-hmm. so congratulations i mean they, this was uh, an impossible like we could have just if we rolled out all of the text messages on like a scroll you know, like what, like a, an old-fashioned sacred scroll, and put it on the wall to throw darts. Uh, we would have to throw it, put it down like half of the building because it's just so many text messages. So we appreciate it very much. It's been a lot of fun this morning. So congratulations. We actually don't even know the name of this particular listener. I can't even find the text. I to, know the name. You've got the name. It's What's the name? Linda. Oh, Linda. Congratulations, Linda. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.